Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Keen Gamer Podcast, Keen Gamer's official podcast. I'm your host this week, David Lozada. I'm joined with Sean Raybine. What is up, Sean? Not much. Not much. Uh, the roving band of horrors are trying to break down my door, but... You know, I, I watched Home Alone and Home Alone 2, so I've set up a lot of traps. So Yeah, you're prepared. Don't worry about you me. You got the, that toilet paper all yeah. handy already. Toilet paper made a fortress out of it. No one's but did you me. see Home Alone 3 and 4, I think? I did not see Home Alone 3 because I knew <laughs> it would poison my mind. I need to stay pure for making traps. I see Home Alone 3, the whole thing just falls apart. Yeah, yeah. You gotta just watch one and two, everybody. Just Threes, fours, get them out of here. They, they have a lot. They don't of, exist. On like direct to video yeah. thing. There are a lot. Yeah. And Tim, how are you doing? Good. I, I'm probably less prepared for uh, for uh, keeping people back Home Alone style. It's been a little while since I've seen the movies. Really? But. Where do you. Uh live i'm not gonna come over there and steal your stuff because you're unprepared or anything like that i just i want to send you a oh yeah sure i'll I'll, uh, (laughs) i need addresses phone numbers (laughs) well actually maybe you should be careful because i have i haven't been watching home alone but i have been watching tiger king so i probably have like 10 tigers in my house now for all you know (laughs) Well, if you have ten tigers, that means you have uh, like at least twenty beautiful ones. So, I think Tim's doing oh, yeah. okay, everybody. <laughs> or husbands. <laughs> or husbands. Tigers attract everybody. So, Tim, what have you been playing? What have you been watching this week? Well, uh, well, I, I guess, like I said, I've been watching Tiger King. A bit more of that. Um, haven't quite gotten through it yet, but we saw like two more episodes we saw the one where they go into the whole thing about carol's husband and that whole investigation which was interesting not i I don't know i don't really know what to make of it but there's definitely like weirdness there so i don't know considerable weirdness um i wonder how (laughs) what is most disturbing about that episode is Whenever the documentary crew asks Carol about the rumors about her husband, she just seems like, <laughs> whatever. And it's like, what the hell? She's not, like, like pissed off or, like, sad that her husband... Like, it's been a couple of decades, sure. But it's like, well, how are you just so blasé about that? It's like, she has this got-away-with-murder type face. Like, what the hell? I guess... Well, and that, that is something I thought about. And I guess playing ever so slight devil's advocate i guess i just try and imagine like because like everyone's talking about it and i mean joe exotic is Mm -hmm. always like slamming her about it so it's like i guess i wonder how i would feel like like if 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 i was being accused of that and i and i didn't do it and i know i didn't do it like how destructive it would be for other people to be constantly putting that against you and like you know, making it public to all their followers and stuff. It's like, there's some point where you just, I mean, you can get frustrated about it or you could just, you know, try and brush it off as best you can. So, I don't know. I'm not saying she didn't do it, but... 
You're saying you helped do it because you're defending her at this point. Shh. That bitch, Carol Baskin, no. down in Florida. Can't expose me. <laughs> no, you're right, though. Like, Tim's got got cans of sardines in his cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are right. Just though. waiting for the next yeah. opportunity to kill somebody. <laughs> We're going. Um, yeah, so it was, there was that episode, and then the one after that, I believe, was the one where... Uh, Right, it was it was Joe Exotic getting like sued by Carol, and he was having to pay like a million dollars, I think. Right. Oh, yeah. The judge ruled in favor of her, and like he had to figure out a way to pay or something like that. And yeah, I can't remember what happens because like so much crazy shit happens. A lot of it is centered around Carol Baskin. So mm-hmm. it's he hard basically to copies. He, he basically copies cuts and cuts and pastes. A logo from Carol right. Baskin's yeah. organization, right? And it's so blatantly a ripoff that, I mean, they win the the yeah. case, and they say, "Well, you know, you owe us this amount of money, and if you can't pay, then we'll take all your assets." And his asset, his only asset, is the zoo. So they are basically going to take the whole zoo away from him and own the zoo, and then, assumedly. Shut it down. So yeah, the whole reason why he gave it to Jeff was because uh, if you transfer the if you transfer the title, then they technically can't take it away from you because you don't have it anymore, and then they have to go through this whole legal thing that's, again. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, um, Tim. <laughs> I don't think that's how. Yeah, it's like he keeps transferring it because every time they transfer it, they have to like refile or something like that. Yeah, uh, it, it 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 costs a whole bunch of legal fees and and the. The logic is that they all they'll eventually run out of money to keep hiring these lawyers, and then they'll just stop, and the case will be settled, or not settled, but the case will be over. So mm. that was the whole logic behind it. Except there's very little well, logic behind what Joe does. It, it wasn't really Joe's thing, though. It was more Jeff, right? Jeff Lowe. Mm. Uh, he was yeah. he was more like this is the way you're gonna have to do it in order to get out of this, and. He managed to convince Joe that if he trans if he transferred the title him to him, he'd still somewhat run the zoo, but technically Jeff would own it. So, and what yeah. could go wrong with that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I, well, one part I was going to mention is like uh, Joe, you know, obviously he doesn't want to give up his stuff. So at one point, he's like, he takes, what was it? He took his, like, bed outside somewhere, and he was like, you're not going to have my bed. And he just blows up his bed and, like, a bunch of his other belongings. Yes. <laughs> he just starts blowing up his ass. He's <laughs> like, well, if I blow him up, you can't have him. He's like, Joe, you're not fixing the problem, buddy. <laughs> and then... I found the most hilarious part the fact that he just bought all this stuff at Walmart. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, I live I live in the north in the northeast, so like, I'm kind of amazed that you could just buy these explosives. And, oh yeah, you know you, all, you all of these dangerous army. weapons. Yeah, <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> it's just amazing to me. America's a 
fun, dangerous place. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Tim, sorry. Go ahead. Um, Yeah, so that was the last episode we saw. Uh, I guess I won't say what happens at the end for potential spoilers, but um, it's just such an interesting show, and I definitely... Like, it is. They they, they always they leave you wanting the the next episode. It's just so mm-hmm. very interesting. It's like what what could you possibly tell me now that isn't already like as crazy as what I as what I've seen. Just so ridiculous. <laughs> Shit's nuts. So we'll definitely be watching more of that. Um, what did I play this week? Uh, I've been playing Borderlands 3 still. It's been fun as always. Um, still, I'm I'm still drowning in all legendaries. <laughs> it's too much. I, I swear they did. They reduced the drop rate, though. I swear. Well, they did. I think a big part of that right now is there's an event going on where the red chests have yeah. more legendaries in them and then there's these special enemies that spawn now that have like Mm -hmm. basically each of them give you like upwards of like five legendaries yeah they're they're walking red chest or two and um there will be like three to five of these enemies like in a given section so you would just kind of walk along and then find them and kill them and then after like five minutes you have like 20 legendaries and yeah it's 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 too much (laughs) the only problem is like legendaries don't all drop at the same rate there's definitely legendaries that are more common than others like you could be like farming a legendary and like you're just getting tons of like malix bane and asmd just over and over and over again it's like where is the Maggie, what what's going on? Well, I don't want all these. Sna- I I don't need this. So, not all legendaries are created equal in the drop rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I keep getting the monocle over and over again. Yeah. Which I used to like the monocle, but Mayhem Four is just not viable. Because <laughs> if you stand still for like a second, you're gonna get exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I've been using that one a little bit. I and I was actually in the same boat. I um I started a new character as Mose, so using the monocle has been hey, actually pretty hey, fun. Hey. But I tried it with my my main one on Mayhem, and it's just no, it just doesn't doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's just annoying because like I keep they just they just keep giving me legendaries and. There, there's a decent number of them that I do sell off, but even after that, it's like I have like five new things that I want, I want to keep, but I'll have like a full backpack of like thirty things already at that point. It's like I, <laughs> I can't, I can't. <laughs> I need this to be like parceled out so I can have a chance to use the stuff that I got like ten minutes ago at least. My goodness, so. I don't know. Yeah, look I at guess that if, weapon tier list and see which ones are worth keeping, which ones are, you should just chuck. Yeah, I mean, I do, I um I do a lot of testing with them, like with the 
training dummy and that mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. But there's just so many cool things. I get so attached. And I didn't realize there there are no, so no. many Torg pistols, like legendary pistols. Like I'll I'll, I'll get like five of them, hmm. and then I'll just keep getting new ones that I've never even seen before. It's like what? You assume Torg is more should be more about like shotguns and rocket launchers. But... I mean, yeah, they have hmm. a, uh, yeah they have like stuff like that as well, but there is a surprising amount of pistols as well. It's like what the heck? Hmm. But. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, like I said, I've been playing as, as Moe's now for a little bit. And it's actually, it's actually pretty fun. I don't know, I don't really know what was wrong with me before that made me not like her. Because, I mean, she, she gets out a mech and just stomps around and everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You can equip double flamethrowers. I know. Of course Though I think there's, I know they've been like buffing her recently because I guess her viability in, yeah. in Mayhem wasn't so great. Well, the problem with like a character like Moe's who relies on basically a pet character is that it doesn't scale well with damage. Like, because you're you're trying to get the best weapons to do the most damage, but you're, you're it's not like your mech scales with the damage of your guns. So they're trying to bring those more in line. Whereas me as Flack, I do have a pet, but Flack's pets are basically like their utility to supplement your own power. Mm -hmm. Like my, my, my pet, I don't, I never use attack command because like, who cares? But he's there to just taunt enemies so they can take him off me. Right. Plus he's a weird little jabber mon <laughs> monkey. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so just... Play more of that. Oh yeah, I tried the the Borderlands Science minigame thing. Um, mm -hmm. It's okay. It shut your whore mouth. Excuse me. It's great. <laughs> the minigame's great. Oh. I mean, that that's fine. I thought you were gonna say like, no, it's trash. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's fun for a bit, but it does get like. A little, a little dry, I guess, for me at least. But mm -hmm. apparently, that's not shared here, which is fine. That's no, fine. It's not. But I get it. Like you, you, you boot up Borderlands to shoot some things, and all of a sudden, it's like do a puzzle game. It's like no. I, shoot. I mean, I like, I, I like puzzle games. I guess I just find this one becomes like kind of disengaging after a while. Like it's, it's. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. hard. Really, um, and it's, it's kind of really samey after a while. So, but I played a couple, uh, played a couple levels of it and unlocked some stuff. And I'll, I'll probably go back to it. But I mean, I, I'm, it's interesting. It's cool. It's an interesting initiative. I don't totally understand it, but <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for that, and. I guess that's pretty much been my week as well. All right, cool, cool. So you're learning some science, and you're shooting up some things. That's great. Yeah. And a robot. Yeah. Sean, tell us about your experiences with this Borderlands science. 
Okay, I will. Uh, yes, I have been playing the puzzle game. Uh, I guess we'll, we can talk more about it uh, when we get to the article about it, or I can go in depth now. Or yeah, go into depth now. Right. I mean, I, I'll I can preface it with saying that Borderlands Science is basically this initiative that Borderlands uh, developers Gearbox did in collaboration with a prominent university in the United States, and what it it basically entailed McGill University. I should, you know, give credit where credit is due. And it basically benefits the real-world scientific community because you can play this puzzle game, which resembles a lot like Tetris. It, does it play like Tetris? No. Tim? No? no? Okay. Well, it looks like Tetris. <laughs> and you can complete these, these puzzles, and in turn, you'll get skins, you'll get currency, you can get boosters... That, that buff your stats, loot quality, and experience gains, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, evidently, these, these, this puzzle, the, the whole reason why they exist is that they help scientists kind of map DNA for these uh, bacteria that exist in the human body that computers can't really generate on their own, that they need people yeah. to do. So this is what's helped. This is basically benefiting the the scientific community because you're doing their dirty work, <laughs> the work that they would give their interns and you know their their low staff, low paying staff. You're doing for free, so good for you. <laughs> but I'm getting cool skins and hats. You're getting yeah, that's right, that's right. You're getting you're getting ahead in Borderlands Three. So. That's all you got to know about this. We we're going to touch about it later in our news stories for the week, but we might as well talk about it now since you guys are are playing it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Sean, tell us about your experience with Borderlands Science in Borderlands Three. Um, where Sam thought it was okay, I I find it highly addictive. To be honest, I'm very selective mm-hmm. about puzzle games, but when I find one I like, I obsess about it. Uh, you know, sort of like close my eyes and I can see the blocks moving in my head type of deal. Um. Yeah, this one is basically. I they explain it in like the trailer, but I I've watched like three times. And I still don't quite get it. But you know they had to like dumb it down to like explain it. But basically, yeah, you're you're completing a DNA strand model, but it's it's laid out like a a big grid, and uh, on the on the left hand side are a bunch of the. The faces of the different blocks are four different kinds of blocks. And the idea is you have to line up that block with that row. So if there's a Moe's picture on row three, get a Moe's block onto row three. And you get a point. And you can move it up and down. You can, you know, you have a certain amount of moves you can make. Like you can make 10 moves or 30 moves. It depends on the, uh, the thing. And the idea is just to get it as... Get as many blocks in there as possible to make it as complete a DNA strand as possible. But it, it does look like a it does look like a DNA strand when you play it. It just looks like a regular like puzzle grid. Um, and the context is that you're also playing against uh, different Borderlands characters trying to beat their high scores, and they're ranked on their intelligence. So at the bottom is like Claptrap, and then it's Brick and Mordecai, and uh, closer to the top it's like moxie and then like tannis she's like the top one um but yeah you you earn these coins in order to no you don't earn coin you earn coins but you unlock the skins and the heads automatically as you complete 
certain uh, tiers. Honestly, all the skins and heads are kind of crappy. They're not very good. Uh, Moe's has an alright one with her like football helmet thing, but everyone else. The only one I do like uh, is Zane. He has like this mullet. And so I give him the mullet, and then I use the skin that kind of gives him um, a flannel vest and jeans. And now I'm just like redneck Zane. That makes me smile. Uh, but you also earn coins that you use to buy boosters. And like you said, those things like boost your stats, uh, your damage. Um, the, the big one, the most expensive one, is boost your loot quality so you get better items. <clears throat> the idea basically is that you spend these coins, and the boosters only last an hour. So you use it, it gets used up, you spend coins, you get another one, and then eventually you have to keep playing the game, and the minigame to get more coins. The problem is that the booster effect resets every time you reload the game. You go to the main menu and come back. So even though my I bought the booster for loot quality, I have only bought it once and it has lasted forever. It doesn't go away. So that's kind of a bug, but... Huh. I wouldn't mind if it's time. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, if you're trying to level up a character, get like the 25% uh, experience boost, and you just have to buy it once, and you're just going to keep going. All you have to do is like uh, exit out to the main menu before it expires, and come back, and boom, it's done. That's pretty bad. Uh, but the... <laughs> It's pretty bad. I don't, I don't mind it, but it does kind of you know, break the initiative. Uh, but hey... If COVID-19 is cured, you're welcome. I help. It says video games didn't so. accomplish anything. Exactly. Uh, that's pretty much the only game I played. I played some Animal Crossing. Not much to say there. I did some fishing. Fishing tournament, which isn't really a tournament. Uh, I did some landscaping and waterfalls in my house. It looks pretty and cool. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I watched. I watched a lot of things. So I'll try to be somewhat brief on them. Uh, and I watched a lot of things because I was playing the Borderlands puzzle game, and when I have that going, I can easily like look over to the other screen and watch something. Easy peasy. I watched something on Netflix called The Girl on the Third Floor. Uh, it's an interesting concept, but it's bad. Like, it's a mix of Amityville Horror and Hellraiser. But it lacks the subtlety of both. Like, it's dumb. It's a dumb, dumb movie. Uh, the premise is that a guy goes to a new house uh, that he bought for him and his wife. Uh, he thinks that if he gets this new house, it will make up for the infidelity he did uh, some time ago. They never say how long ago. Uh, but he's there to fix it up before she arrives. And he is instantly seduced by a young and beautiful woman like the second he meets her he bangs her it's like wow what a piece of shit it's just like there's like no steps between it's like meets her bangs her done but of course she has sinister motives and people die yada 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 and suddenly 90 minutes have passed not worth a watch has some cool stuff about you know the house being alive and the girl is just a manifestation of its ill intent or something like that eh, it's dumb uh, I also watched a movie called The Room not the one you're thinking of oh. or the other one I've, I've seen the, 
Tommy Wiseau's The Room plenty of times, so I didn't need to watch that again. If I ever need to watch The Room, I just think about it and I remember all the scenes. I just watch in my head. Um, the concept of The Room is a couple moves into a new giant home. That's a common trend in horror movies. That new family, family moves into a new gigantic house. Uh, in it, they find a sealed-off room that, when you're inside of it, you're able to manifest anything you can think of. Uh, the only rule is that anything you make in the room cannot be taken out of the house. Because if you do, it suddenly experiences uh, rapid entropy. Entropy? Entropy? Entropy. And basically disintegrates. So, like, you try to take cash out of the house and it turns to ash. Um... He takes a painting out of the house and he watches it just slowly like curl up and break apart and all that stuff. Um, so they can make anything they want. And then Dum Dum decides to make a human baby. Because she really wanted a baby. And they've been trying and they can't do it. Uh, she's miscarried a couple times. So there's that problem of like, A, is it actually their baby? Like, this is created by this weird machine. And B, now this kid can't leave, otherwise he will rapidly turn into an old man type of deal. Uh, another really cool concept, but they and they do manage to do some cool stuff with it, but once they get to the baby, it stops developing that cool concept. Like, they're basically like, oh, we're done. You know. Um, and it just doesn't get as cool as it could have done. Also watched a movie called Satanic Panic. This is a horror comedy. It's a very fun movie. It has feelings of ready or not if you've seen that. And I don't think either of you have because you don't watch horror movies. Um, basically the concept is that a pizza girl delivers to a very rich neighborhood. She gets stiffed on the tip. Uh, and pissed off she decides to not break into the house but kind of like find the back door and slip in. So she could confront somebody, which seems like a bad plan. Like, that's going to go poorly for you. Uh, but she discovers that it's a bunch of rich, rich people, and they're all Satanists, and they're getting ready to perform a ritual that night. They find out that she's a virgin, and so, of course, she will be the sacrifice, because Satan likes some, some virgins. So the movie just uh, follows her trying to escape. There's surprisingly wide clutches. Uh, you know, they, they're not just like they're worship Satan. Like, they actually have magical powers type deal. Like, they actually perform rituals and spells and stuff like that in order to find her. Uh, it has a lot of dark humor. It has a lot of cool and gory deaths. And Satan stuff. So, who doesn't like that? I'd recommend that one if you can. I think it might be exclusive to Shudder, though. So, that's not going to be a wide region. It's a horror comedy type of thing? Yeah, horror comedy. Gotcha. Um, okay. I also watched a television show from start to finish because I don't know why I think it, it was just something easy to have on the background called Nosferatu and it's spelled N-O-S-4-A-2 because it's a license plate uh, it's about a guy named Charlie Manx who drives around in a Wraith model Rolls Royce he travels the country kidnapping children with the promise of taking them to a place called Christmas Land. And you do actually see Christmas Land, and it's a Christmas Land. Uh, as he drives, though, with them in the car, he saps their, I don't know, their energy, their youth or something like that. 
and he slowly turns from an old man into a younger man. And they turn into monsters that want to eat people. So not really about vampires, despite being called Nosferatu, but there's some middle ground there. Interesting concept, bogged down in teenage angst, which is the worst. Like, they, they set all this stuff up. They say, like, oh, this character, she has a power to, like, uh, go through this ghost bridge, and she can go anywhere she wants. She has to think about something, and she goes there. They call them super creatives, which is, like, eh, gross. But it... They give him all that, and then it's like, mm, I, I come from a broken home, and I have two boys who like me, and I don't know which one to kiss first, and I want to go to college, but I can't afford it. And it's like, God, oh, this sucks. Bring me back the vampire, man. I, I don't care about this. Um, I finished the whole series. Don't recommend it. Don't watch it. Not worth it. Uh, I, after I, It's based on a book, and after I watched it, I looked up the uh, information about the book. This show couldn't have divert, diverted more from the book. It's super different. Um, so, uh, I watched something on Netflix called Beastars. Did we get, Debbie, you might have heard of that one. Yeah, Beastars. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, mm-hmm. I'm only like a, two or three episodes into it. But so far, it's basically Zootopia if they had fleshed out the concept more. Especially the whole uh, predators versus prey thing. You know, how prey are treated somewhat very well, whereas predators are somewhat treated a little bit more poorly because people kind of, you know, they're like, mm, you could eat me at any moment. I don't like you. Blah. It's like, well, don't yeah. treat them like shit then. Um, hmm. But it has cool stuff going on. But it's about romance and stuff like that. And it's neat to see, like, this uh, this deer push around a wolf. Because the wolf is trying to be like reserved and quiet and sensitive, and the deer is being all like aggressive, and he's like, "I'm pissed off that you're a predator, and you're not being an angry predator. It's it's it sucks that you have all the strength and you're not using it. You suck." And he's like, "Runs away." Interesting concept. Hmm. Gonna stick with it. See where that goes. Um, and then I watched something called uh, my fear. My fear with that oh, series is that I'm gonna be labeled a furry if I watch it. <laughs> You're so. only labeled a furry if you find the characters attractive. That's because it's not, you know, oh, I'm a girl, but I have bunny ears. No, it's I'm a anthropomorphic rabbit type deal. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I'm still somewhat skeptical. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm just very afraid of being labeled a furry. Like I don't want people thinking that I'm into. You know, yeah, that well, stuff. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Okay. And finally, I watched a movie last night on Amazon Prime called, I think, Coherence or something like that. Uh, it's a it's basically a thought experiment turned into a movie. Uh, basically, uh, eight people or so are having a dinner party. A comet passes overhead, and it causes some weird stuff to happen. And it basically causes this thing of, like, quantum physics temporal collapse type of deal and you know they go out to investigate and they see that there's other thems like exact copies of them and they're like what the shit did we do what did we do are they going to come over and kill us because they they learn like if like they kill them then they 
collapse into their reality and they become the true reality. Bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense. But they all become paranoid and crazy. And there's all this stuff about multiple realities and parallel universes. And it's a neat thing. It's not super interesting. But if you're into things like quantum physics and parallel universe theories, you might get a kick out of it. I think it's called Coherence. I can't remember the full name, though. But I think it's called Coherence. And that's it, I think. I think. Well, you saw a lot. Mm -hmm. That's great. Good job. I'm very efficient. You saw a lot of horror stuff. You're very you're very well educated in the horror genre. I, like I must commend you for that. I don't yes. know why, but yes. I do. Mm. As for what I've been playing, well, I think we all know the answer to that one. As for what I've been watching, yesterday I finished watching Wreck It Ralph. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh, Have you seen that? God. You saying, I finished watching Wreck-It Ralph, my interest goes up, breaks the internet. Oh, no. Uh, you don't like that movie? I don't like that movie at all. Really? At all. Okay. I deeply at dislike all. that movie. Wow. At all. Interesting. Interesting. I like that I the Disney princesses actually. are cool. But yeah, that was cute. And, that was cute. Um, whatever, the, um, the racing girl... Uh, forget her name. Oh, Shark Tank or Shank or something like that. Shank, Shank, yeah. Shank. Yeah, she was cool, mm -hmm. but yeah. it's weird that okay. it's called Wreck It Ralph breaks the internet and it's about uh, Penelope or Penelope, like he's barely in it. Well, I I don't know. I I think the 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 friendship aspect was kind of like all right, dude. Like let's. Let's settle down now, like you know. <laughs> let's take it. Let's 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 keep it back. Like you know, like like hold it in a little bit. You know, this Ralph is a little might weird. Need some more friends. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I thought that was a little weird. But I really liked kind of the very end, the end end credits where they do the. Here's a sneak peek for Frozen Two, and then <laughs> and then it's 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 Ralph like dancing. He it, it's basically a Rick Roll. And oh, and right, right, they right, basically yeah. uh, lip sync. Rick asked, "Never gonna give you up with mm -hmm. uh, with Ralph." And it was just so funny. I I was laughing for a good couple of minutes on that one. That was that was great. Uh, yeah, I mean it's I I I'm I'm not watching Wreck It Ralph for some kind of intellectual, you know, <laughs> for intellectual well, satisfaction here. I'm just yeah, watching it because. It was funny. You like look at the so. first movie, and it's this interesting concept of how villains would be treated. It's just like Beastars, how predators are treated, villains are treated somewhat shabbily, mm -hmm. and that you know that, yeah. that scene of him, you know, falling towards the volcano and, and reciting his mantra, and that that shit gets to me. But Wreck-It Ralph mm. breaks the internet. I'm like, mm, no. I wonder how much money okay. they got for advertising that. Ah, uh, yeah, her product placement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've got we've got an exciting show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about Animal Crossing, especially uh, given recent news of how the that game is being taken off of Japanese uh, not Japanese Chinese store storefronts. It'd be really bad if it were taken off Japanese storefronts, <laughs> considering it's a Japanese game. <laughs> but no, they they yeah they're throwing out their own games. No, taking out of uh, Chinese storefronts uh, due to some of the political campaigns that are going on in there. That that'll be our topic of the show for today. But 
let's get into our news for today. And let's start off our news with PlayStation 5's newest controller, or rather, the only controller that we know of so far. They, instead of going the usual route of naming their controller the DualShock 4, you know, DualShock 5, they named it the DualSense. And one of the reasons why they named it the DualSense is because this controller will take into account player haptics more than ever before, which basically means that you can pull back uh, an arrow and a bow, and you will feel that pull, that you'll feel that tension somehow through the controller. It's it's very similar. Also, another example that they used was the dirt uh, in a tire, and in, in, in when you're you know riding a buggy or something, you're playing motorsport. Remember motorsport? And you're going through a valley of mud, and you feel that dirt going through the the, the, the tires and the traction and all that good stuff. So that's basically what the controller is is based on and every the all the inputs even the adaptive triggers they all kind of ten- take that into account that tension so that you feel more immersed in your PlayStation and I can only imagine that with the VR headset which most likely will continue with the PlayStation 5 it'll be a pretty pretty powerful experience or at least a bit of an elevation from the PlayStation 4 some other key changes are the create tool it's basically the share tool, but you can also create things on the fly. So it's not just capturing the last 15, 30 seconds of gameplay. It's also capturing it's capturing that, but also editing it on the fly. So I'm really curious to see how that works. Uh, another cool feature is that the that light pad that was on the front of the controller, or the side, if you want to it call it that way. The back of the controller. It was... It, it, no, it's kind of like on the top of it. Right? Yeah, at the top. It's, it's sort of between the uh, triggers. Well, there's, no, the touchpad isn't between the triggers. No, I mean, the like, light if pad you is... look at the top of the controller. Oh, in between the L, yeah. L, L and right triggers. Oh, yeah. right, 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 right. I'm, I thought you were talking about the, the, the thumbsticks. Those are triggers, too, the L3 and R3. Anyway, uh, this this will have have the light pad, but the light pad will be beneath the touchpad so essentially you'll still see colors but the colors will be kind of in tandem with the touch screen or touchpad yeah 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 yeah. you can actually see them so i guess that that was the whole point of of doing that uh another cool the last cool feature or at least last cool feature according to me Hmm. was the fact that you can you don't need a headset in order to communicate with other players online you could just kind of talk to them through the controller itself, which I can imagine will be very frustrating for a lot of multiplayer-oriented players, just because, I mean, can you imagine, like, if it's bad now, <laughs> can, you, can you imagine, like, the pots and pans going off, you know, when you're playing Call of Duty or whatever, like, oh, God, that would be, that'll be a, that'll be really interesting. something about how, like, uh, it'll be able to recognize your voice specifically and cut out oh, any outside, right? I honestly, I I don't like the idea of technology that can recognize my voice specifically. That's a little oh, bit like, come on. that's like, yeah, it, it recognizes my voice. My voice is like that of a 15 year old high schooler. It, it's stuff that like everyone says, oh yeah, this is like the future and blah, blah, blah. And then we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it, it doesn't work. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't have 
there's no doubt in my mind that you know the technology in this controller just it, it, it'll it'll isolate the audio like that. I, I don't think we're there yet as a species or in a technological, uh, you know, evol- in terms of the technological evolutionary tree, we're not there yet. So, uh, what do you guys make of this dual sense controller? Obviously, I have my my doubts about it. But Tim, what do you think about it? I don't think we really need. I mean, besides the fact that the whole mic thing probably won't work so great yet. I don't think we really need that. Like, I don't know. You can just bar? pop on a headset. It's fine, right? Oh, that thing. You know? Here's my problem with that. Like, okay, let's say that it can isolate your voice and everything else. Let's say that's possible. The thing with, like, a headset is that its mic is by your face. And no matter where you move, that mic is with you. A controller can go up and down and left and right and go further from your face and closer, like... It, it's going to kind of, won't like affect the volume on the other end? Like, I, I don't know. And does it mean like, if I'm not wearing a headset, I'm going to be hearing everyone else coming out of my speakers? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be like annoying? I don't know. I, I think it's just terrible. I think it's a terrible idea. I, I It's just like, like I, I, should, I should prefer this with saying that I hate playing multiplayer games like i've i've tolerated it you know in the past but now i just i just i can't do it anymore i just can't stand people talking and telling me what to do on the internet so (laughs) i can only imagine this will be like just a a complete zoo you know uh so uh, that's my that's my opinion but if people like there are people obviously who love doing this stuff you know and and that increases the social aspect, I suppose, of gaming. I think we touched on that, you know, a while back. So, yeah, yeah whatever. Go ahead. I, but I, yeah, sorry, Tim. I didn't mean to derail no, this conversation. We're, we're just having discussion. It's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess maybe for people who don't have a mic, they'd be able to use one. And uh, I mean, maybe, uh, hopefully, be something where it's like. It's like off by default, and you have to turn it on, I guess. Because then that, that would lead to less accidental, like, everyone having it on, I guess. But I don't know. It's it's a weird idea. Where, you know, whereas a mic is like, you know, even just like earbuds. It's not like it's that expensive or, you know, it's just it's an easy solution. But whatever, I, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Um I do I I do like conceptually the idea of like all the haptic feedback stuff. That sounds really cool. I don't know how effective it'll be, like like how well they've developed it, but um I feel like that could be really really cool cuz we haven't really like for years it's just been like oh your control is rumbling now. Da 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 da. Yeah. Are you immersed? So, I don't know. That that could be really cool as well. I like, like like being able to feel. Well, like you were saying, like feeling the tension in a bow and and that sort of thing. That that sounds really cool. I just don't know how that's gonna come across. But I'm probably most excited for that. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
I think I agree with you uh, that the haptic feedback thing seems like the most progressive feature of the DualSense. The other stuff just feels like it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, like the touchpad thing, nobody uses that on the PS4. The 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 most useful time, or the most, I should say, the most useful implement, implementation of that uh, feature was, uh, I think, in Assassin's, one of the Assassin's Creed games where you could pull up the map with the touchpad. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, I don't understand why this is here. Sean, what do you make of the DualSense controller's features? Do you think it's innovative? Do you think that it's going to get in the way? What's um, your opinion? I don't think the features are going to get in the way, but I don't think they're going to be used. Stuff like haptic yeah. feedback, I think it's going to be kind of like uh, the touchpad, where it's there, the developers can use it, but they're not going to bother. It, it's just one of those features where it's like, I don't think developers are going to bother. Like, putting the work into making sure that drawing a bow has more tension in the trigger than pulling a trigger type of deal. It, yeah. And, like, the rumble would be different for, like, we're going to see it, like, at launch for some, like, tri big AAA games. Because Sony's going to be like, hey, you guys are going to be launching uh, with the PS5. Make sure you implement these features. And then, you know, every game after that, Sony's going to kind of pull back. They're not going to be as hands-on about that. And they're going to be like, yeah, you do what you want. I also don't know how much I believe Haptic is going to be uh, believable. Because, like, I remember, like, when the Switch was announced, they talked about HD Rumble and how you... You know, they showed, like, uh, he was holding, like, a glass of, like, ice, and you could shake it, and you would feel that in your rumble, in your control. I haven't seen that once. Hmm. I haven't seen anything like that in the Switch. That's true. Not once. Not not, not in the Pro Controller, not in the uh, Joy-Cons, nothing. So, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure how much I believe that. It's a cool concept, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, the audio port, I mean... It's it's not it's not mandatory. It, they say you have, do have an audio jack. You can use a headset. In fact, they recommend it for uh, longer periods. That this uh, this one is for like quick conversation. Which what? I don't I don't, I don't jump onto my PS4. It's like hey hey Jim hey hey Sean, and then that's it. Like you know you know how's your mom? Okay, let's go. Oh, I'm done talking to you kind of thing. Like it's it's weird. Um, also, the best feature, I think, is the light bar. Because <laughs> the light bar does cool things on the PS4 controller, but you never see them because it's like it's pointed away from you. It might as well be on the back of the controller. So you never see it. Unless you're like playing in the dark and it's very, very bright. Like So like I just turn like the uh, light bar off because it just sucks up battery and I never see it. So like who cares? But having it as for like these edges on the uh, touchpad, I think that's cool. That is also something that will not be used very much. Developers will make that for a few games, and then you won't see it as much anymore. Almost never. Um, I, don't, I don't remember if we've seen a mock-up of the PS5 console itself, but this control if we haven't, then this controller tells me that the PS5 is going to be primarily white with some black accents. Because the controller always matches the console, right? Except with the Switch, where it's the console's black and the controller is yeah. red and blue. But Nintendo's weird. T typically for the HD consoles, yeah. the HD twins, that's usually how it goes. Which is cool. Yeah. You know, I, I, we need a white 
console. Yeah. Uh, I think the last one was the Xbox One S. So, yeah. yeah great. Cool. So now Xbox I, I, is going back to black and PS, Sony's going back to white. Or going, right. Going well, black. Xbox was always black. I mean... The, well, no, they had, the, they had Xbox 360 Xbox One. white. Was that white? Oh, that was white. The, the OG oh, wow. 360. And then like they released like the 360. That's right. Pro, and then that was black. I totally forgot about the OG 360. Yeah, yeah you're right, you're right. Then, yeah. Um, like you said, the uh, ser- the uh, S. Xbox like, Series X. Yeah. S, S, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we see this every generation where they come up with like all this mumbo jumbo, yeah. you know, look super sophisticated technology. Look at the 6-axis controller. Remember that? With the the PS3, and then that was a disaster, you know. And and then the PS4 had the the light bar, but then nobody could see it. And it yeah. turned out that really the light bar was, I, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe the light bar was n- used for the VR, right? It was some something to do in tandem with with that technology. It might have, like, so, to, to the controller, it might have, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I think I think it had something to do with that because then the camera would sense the controller and then it sensed the VR headset. Yeah. So it, 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 they just like com- put them together. It's hard to get I, excited. I it's a cool looking controller, but it's like, yeah, this is the same sort of layout that we've seen mm-hmm. for generation yeah. to generate it. Even Nintendo doesn't really get too weird with their controllers anymore. Like, remember like, we had the N64 yeah. and GameCube and like all these weird controllers from Nintendo and they were always comfortable. Mm-hmm. They were effective. You know? They yeah. worked well. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I don't really get too excited over controllers anymore. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, like it's it's just kind of like, can I play the game? Great. <laughs> can it, you know, like, does it have the same button layout that I'm more or less accustomed to? Great. Yeah. You know, that's I'm, all I need. I'm also not a big fan of the PlayStation controller. Um, I don't like having my analog sticks like on the same level like that. I like the like the Xbox layout kind of deal. So I'll, I'll use. Well, this the, is the Xbox layout now. No, the I DualSense mean, like, is um, more of like an Xbox. You no, know, Xbox. Oh, you mean the the the, left the, the analog yeah, is like I know you're further saying. up type of deal. I know what you're um, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I'll use like the PS4 controller for uh, if I need to play a game with the D-pad, like a side scroll or something like that. I'll use that one because mm-hmm. the D-pad on the PS4 controller is way better than the Xbox. Xbox One yeah, is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but what I was, what I was saying before, the the form of the DualSense is very much like the the Xbox form of the controller. I, f- I feel like they just kind of copied uh, the the whole uh, you know the way that the, the way that it physically looks. Not I'm t- not talking about button layout, but I'm talking about the way that it physically looks. It feels like they they very closely followed what Xbox has been doing with their controllers, and they just said let's do that. I'm and not, I'm not really see it personally. I feel like it's bulkier. The Xbox controller is just has just always been a little bit bigger mm-hmm. uh, than the PlayStation controllers, and for that factor alone, I feel like that's why Sony was like and, and you know you know in the Xbox 360 area era, almost everyone agreed that the Xbox controller was better than the PlayStation 3s. I mean, the PlayStation 3s controller, admittedly, is just really rough. It's just really rough on the hands. And the PS4 is kind of like, eh, there's some improvements, but, you know, like, 
I don't know. Like some people, some people. Yeah, I think the Xbox still was a little better, but it, it, there was some improvements. And I think here now, I think it's going to be much more even uh, playing ground in, in the sense that I feel like it, there won't be much difference between the play, the PlayStation controller and the Xbox Series X controller. I saw so, someone did a, uh, an overlay of uh, like they took like a a line model of the PS4 controller and, like, laid it over this to, like, see how much they, like, match I up. saw that, too. Yeah. And they match mm-hmm. up almost identically. So, it's not going to feel different to hold, at the very least. You don't think so? I feel like the DualSense was bigger, though. The DualSense was a bigger, in terms of mm-hmm. physicality. Uh, I mean, the, the mock-up might be wrong. It's not, I don't know how scientific they got into making it, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I whatever, like regardless. took away the color from, like, the buttons... I know it's all in the, the effort of, like, mm. minimalists and clean, and it's like, ugh. Why does the future have to look so boring? <laughs> it's just so They'll probably come up with some kind of, you know, controller with the with the colors, yeah, you know. PlayStation 30th anniversary, 35th anniversary. I don't know what we're up to right now, but, uh, yeah, they'll come up with something so, like that. Out of curiosity, uh, to your point, Sean, I... I looked up some games that you ch- that use the HD Rumble feature of the Switch, just to see. Um, yes. I have a, a little list here. So there's, well, of course, they had One Two Switch, which was a, a launch title, right? So they had that. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's Super Mario Odyssey, Golf Story, Super Mario Party, Okami, Hollow Knight, SteamWorld Dig Two, uh, Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. And Overcooked 2 as a as a couple that I saw. That's a short list. I know I played the uh, Mario Odyssey and Mario and Rabbits, but I don't remember anything about like HD Rumble with those. Hmm. Maybe it's just one of those like very subtle things where you're not supposed to notice yeah. it. Just it's something that you feel. I think in Mario Odyssey yeah. it was like with hidden moons, and I guess depending on like your proximity to it, it would rumble differently that sort of thing but that's that's been our opinions on uh the the dual sense and you know futures the future innovation in the, these controllers basically the consensus is okay great but i don't think <laughs> i don't think it really be that much of a difference i think the consensus is well really it's going to be the point of difference is the games so show us the games all right Enough talking about the future. Let's talk about the past. Let's talk about Team Fortress 2. So, this week, this past week, there were there have been some reports that these lag bots have infiltrated Team Fortress 2. They basically invaded the game. They've been invading the game for a while, but they've only been kind of ramping up their uh, presence on, on the game recently, uh, particularly in casual matchmaking, these bots, they go into matchmaking and they go into uh, online sessions and they rack up kills with automated aiming. And the reason why people are having a really, really annoying time with them is that the only way to get rid of these bots is to kick them off of, off of the matchmaking uh, sessions. But by the time, uh, by the time these kicks are accrued, the session is already counted down and, and the session already begins. So it's very hard to get everyone to unla- un- unanimously agree to kick a bot 
you know, um, in, in time for a session to start. So the, really the only way to get rid of these bots is for Valve to come into the game and patch to, fi- to fix it by, by, you know, uploading a patch. And it seemed like they did. They did do that. But it was only after a week of this tension and turmoil. And evidently, some users have been claiming that they've been around in the servers for at least two weeks beforehand. So good to see that Valve actually responded and, and squashed these bugs. But what do you make of these these bots existing on Team Fortress 2? Why did they exist there? Do you think it's some kind of experiment? Uh Tim, start us off. I, 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 it's very interesting uh, situation here. Mm. I mean, there's always that that jerk out there who wants to ruin things for everyone. So, at least mm-hmm. to some extent, I'm sure it's that. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't. I haven't, I, I haven't played TF2 in ages, so I don't know if there's like stat tracking of like your kills and stuff or that I don't I don't think it there is. okay I don't think it really necessarily does anything for you other than like bragging rights I guess is that right yeah it, it's just sort of a, a, a history of how many kids have gotten over the course of things in the game itself you do have like um, it'll say it doesn't say your yeah it says your kills and your score and it's a point total and where you are on the uh, leaderboard of that particular match uh, it was one of the things that uh, Blizzard wanted to make sure that did not have an Overwatch because they recognized what people would do is they would see who was the lowest scoring player and yell at them and blame them. Right. <laughs> Sound like some, some yeah. great people. <laughs> awesome, mm-hmm. awesome individuals. But, uh, yeah, so I honestly, I mean, and given like, you know, Given the whole Corona thing, there's more people on these days. I, I guess maybe there's some people who are preying on that or just bored or whatever. But it, it doesn't seem like there's much of a reason beyond just just causing chaos. Because it doesn't seem like you know it's not like you're getting rewards or whatever for getting kills or something. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, I. Honestly, I'd I'd say it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean it, it. That's that's a very legitimate opinion, I think, considering how this is video games. <laughs> and that's just how people are, you know. It, Sean, do you have a similar take? Uh, I I played a lot of TF2. I think it's still my most played game in terms of hours on Steam. I think it's like a little over a thousand hours, but I haven't played it in years i don't remember when the last update was but um but even back then bots were an issue they weren't a rampant problem but every so often you do get somebody who was like clearly you know hacking or aimbotting or something like that and of course you get people accusing others of aimbotting even though they're like no i'm just a really good sniper what are you talking about um but tf2 is, is weird because i i don't know don't quote me on this I, I, I don't know for sure, but it felt like the most customizable FPS that there ever was. Like, yeah, you could play in the official servers, but if you went to, like, community servers, you could get some weird, fun, bonkers, game-breaking stuff going on. Like, people have made some really cool stuff in the community servers. And so, 
when you have that, you sometimes get a, a Wild West situation in which uh, bots and cheaters can be somewhat rampant in those those servers. But uh, it's diabolical to design a bot that aimbots and cheats, and then once it gets kicked, creates a bunch of lag in the server, basically forcing the server to shut off temporarily. But like. That's diabolical. But yeah, that, I think the only reason they're doing it is just because, like, you know, they wanted to see if they could. And TF2 is a good testing ground, I guess, because there's a lot of open space. And there's, like, two people at Valve still working on TF2. And they're basically just making sure all the lights are green. Or at least most of them are. And so, yeah, they're, they're not really doing much updates or anything like that, so... It's almost a forgotten game. I don't know why there's still such a rampant community, but I guess there are people who are like, TF2 is the best FPS I've ever played, and I just want to keep playing more TF2. But I could yeah, never... More, more power to them. I could never get into it myself. Like, I knew it was popular, and I gave it a shot, but I don't know. It, it's it's like... It. It's very fast-paced, and like I found it very hard to hit anybody, honestly. It's just kind of odd. Yeah, it's... uh. It's one of those things where like I was like, okay, I'm I'm playing as heavy. I'm not really getting anywhere. I'm gonna play as somebody else. And when you play as someone else, they're so radically different that it's like you're starting from square one again. You know, it, it, it everything's your movement speed is different, your aim speed might be different, your you have bullet fall off, it's a whole bunch of stuff. But TF two added a bunch of stuff that kinda of like turned me away. Like the crates have been there since since when I started and People give Valve a lot of credit for being uh, a champion of PC, but don't forget that they invented loot crates, and they were some of the worst that the games have ever seen. Uh, but then they started just adding more and more stuff was to the crates, all this useless stuff, and they added random crit. I'd hate a random Chris. That, that's in a skill-based game. Why would you have something as random as crit crit hits? That's so bonkers. Hmm. Yeah, it, I I don't understand why <laughs> why the servers for this game are still up, but it, you're probably right. There probably be a lot of outrage from Valve's community uh, regarding you know this the the thought of taking down one of the most beloved games on Steam. So oh, well, that's probably why they keep it say, up. Hey, we're shutting down the servers, but here's the source code. Go make your own servers. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. Any they've done that before. He has right. to do is be like, "Hey, we're not we're not supporting this game anymore." Here's the source code, but they're not going to do that because like this is our intellectual property. You can't have it. No, we might make a TF2 three someday. Are you going to make it? Yeah. We don't know. We might. I don't know. Shut up. But if there's one company that's going to do it, it'd be Ralph. I mean, yeah, it would. I, be I th- can't think of another company that would be, you know, willing to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hey, we'll see what happens. I feel like they can't keep those servers running forever. They're gonna have they're gonna have to shut them down eventually. You know, the player counts but, so low at this point. I don't think it's very taxing the servers. Yeah, at least, but I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, like, what's the point of the the money? Like, why put all the money into it to keep them running? Mm-hmm. Why not just you know? Valve has more else. money than God thinks to Steam and Dota too. Like, and, and yeah, that's true. Too. If they wanted to buy a hundred more servers, just to kick into a river, they could. And they'd be fine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Anyway, let's move on to our next news story for the week, our last news story for the week. This one's about God of War, specifically the last God of War that came out uh, in 2018. Yes, 2018. This was the reboot slash sequel. Some people call it God of War 4. Essentially, Corey Balog, who was the director of God of War, I believe he was the creative director behind God of War, he went on Twitter responding to a tweet asking whether or not Christianity was part of the mythos of this new God of War universe. Because, as you know, the last God trilogy, God of War trilogy, was based on the Greek pantheon, and the newest is based on North mythology. So this person, curiously and rightly so, asks whether or not Christianity is part of it. And Korbalog, to many people's surprise, said, yes, it is. Some people replied, and I'm looking at the replies now. They're saying, "Well, I'm not. I can't support your franchise anymore because I'm right. a devout Christian, and you know, I I don't believe in slaughtering of Christians. You know, and I I can't make fun of them for that. That's their belief, and that's that's perfectly understandable. So, considering this, do you think it was a wise decision? A wise decision for Corey to go on Twitter and and say? Hey, uh, you know, Christianity is part of this game, considering how, especially America, is so full of devout Christians and devout Jesus believers. Sean, what do you make of that? What do you make of that? I think this is amazing. I love this tweet. I'm going to frame it. Uh, From a business standpoint, it might not have been the best idea. Uh, I don't think he's going to lose, the series will lose a lot of money. Because here's the thing, he might say it's part of the world, but I guarantee you're never going to get to punch Jesus. Never, ever, you're ever, You're never going to get punched Jesus. You're never going to fight Samson. You're never going to fight uh, Job. You're never going to fight Moses. You're not even going to interact with these people. You might get an offhand remark about, you hear about this young upstart in the Middle East? Talk about a game changer. You're not going to get any of that. Because the only reason God of War gets away with what it does is because no one still believes in the Greek gods. No one still believes in the Norse gods. By the way, if you're out there and you still believe in them, I'm sorry. But, come on. At this point, you're alone in that. Um, so they can only really have Kratos interact and fight and dismember gods from... That basically become mythology. They can't be religion Extinct, anymore. Extinct, yeah, yeah religions. But yeah, the idea yeah, that yeah. Christianity is part of it and that Kratos could theoretically fight... God and Jesus. He could fight the Holy Trinity of Jesus, the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. That's amazing yeah. to me. I love that. Because I ever since God of War first yeah. came out, I'm like, oh, I wonder if he could if he would ever interact with like ever since actually it wasn't since since he first came out, since the game came out on PS4. Because Quarazo existed in Greek mythology, and I figured that was just like sectioned off. It's Greek mythology, it will exist there and only there. But then it is Norse, I'm like that opens up every single door. Every door is locked before, except Greek. Now you've opened every door to possibility, and I, I loved it. So, I think that's just that's just so much fun. But it's you're never gonna have Kratos meet Jesus. You're never gonna have Jesus, uh, Muhammad meet Kratos. You're never gonna have oh no anything oh, no. like that. Buddha's the not Hindi, show up the Hindi, yeah, 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 it's not nothing happen. like that. You could, but maybe you could get away with like. What? You can maybe get away with Cain and Kratos. Cain is like Possibly. first murderer of the world, but I don't know. 
honestly, I would love to see Kane evolve, even from a non-ironic sample, because, yeah, he's supposed to be the first murderer, and that's really cool. That's that's a great standpoint to make a character from, and they've done that in a lot of other stories. Uh, it's never mm-hmm. going to happen. Like, he can't even meet anybody from... Yeah, it, it's touchy. So he just, I mean... He just can't. It's not going to happen. Even so, though, even... Say, say they... they were smoking a lot of cocaine, not smoking, but they were they were snoring a lot of cocaine, and and they said, well, "Fuck it, you know, <laughs> we're gonna do Christianity, we're gonna do Islam, right?" How would they even do that? Uh... Like the the thing about Norse mythology and the thing about Greek mythology is that it has all these fancy monsters, it has like dragons and you know demigods and things like that. Christianity and Islam, they they're just people, you know. <laughs> they, they don't really have. Huh? There's a dragon in the Bible. Like lives There's a dragon in the, in the Bible? Yeah, it lives in a cave. Where? Yeah. Uh, reference? Okay. Citation. Well, well f- with the exception of that one dragon. Citation? What? Reference? Oh, God, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I could dig up facts in my I'll, Sunday school. I'll have to Google that, because that has interested me, Sean. <laughs> you can't just drop a dragon on me <laughs> from the Bible. You're like, oh, I don't know. But but my point my point is is that the only th- really thing that they can do with Kratos and Christianity and maybe Islam is hell, right? Yeah. And a lot of people were saying Dante Dante's Inf- Dante, Dante. Dante's Inferno, right? They already made a game about Dante and the seven circles of hell, uh, about you know how he had to go through all the seven circles of hell, yeah. and find his time kill and lust and yeah 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 exactly. So. They said, "Well, why not put Kratos in that situation? That would be cool, right?" Yeah, there's a lot of and cool, so and uh, so like I could see that, you know, I could see that happening. I could he'll also, like go to hell in Norse mythology, like he'll die in Norse mythology and somehow end up in Christian hell, right? I I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Christians, uh, fundamental Christians, would even be okay with that. But I think if you were going to yeah. have to put him anywhere. They would be most okay with him going through hell, but yeah, yeah. he can't kill the devil. He can kill all the other like, you know, kings of hell type of deal like Baphomet and uh, Samazel and all that kind of stuff. But he can't kill Lucifer because they're like he killed the devil. Now, now no one's going to get punished. You know, it's not going to pull off. But I would love to see it. Here's what I would see happening: Kratos taking place during the Crusades. Uh, you know, he sees the crusades happening, everyone's getting slaughtered in the name of this oh. this new upstart god, and Kratos is like, what the hell? And then, you know, here's a voice behind him, and so like, yeah, I don't like this either, and he turns around, it's Jesus, and he's like, oh, Jesus, you son of a bitch, and they, you know, clasp hands and they flex their muscles, and they go around just beating people up for being assholes. Sure. And then eventually, sure. Kratos gets thrown into biblical hell and has to fight his way down to the bottom, and he sees Lucifer there, stuck in the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Lucifer's like holding I, I think honestly like of of the modern religions I think the most interesting would be uh Hinduism and and oh my God. Yeah. all the gods there and all the heads and the arms and stuff like that. Your options are unlimited with Hinduism. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? Like I think that would that, be so cool. That would be awesome. If, if, never gonna if they did that. But it, it, yeah, obviously it never happened, but like if they had to pick one modern religion, I would you know, I would vote I, yeah. for Hinduism. Yeah, I'm, that would I'm be really cool. One. Yeah. Of yeah. the old religions, I would like to see him fight Aztec gods. 
Yeah. Like, he'd have to make that's a some freaky stuff. journey across the water. And be like, I'm tired yeah. of all these gods here. I'm going west. And he goes to America. You, you can't really have him fight like uh, Native American gods. Because they don't have gods. They have like spirits. And I don't know. It, it, yeah. None, none of them were very like vengeful or anything like that. So it doesn't really fit. But he could definitely like fight some Aztec gods. Quetzalcoatl and all yeah. that stuff. Like, Lots of blood and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they're going to yeah, stick yeah. with Norse for a good long while. They're not. They're yeah. not even close to done with Norse. Yeah, they're gonna do Norse, and then after that, they're probably gonna do Egyptian. That's my. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, you're probably right. I, He's I, gonna I feel go like Egyptian. I think Egypt. It just. It just makes sense. That, make, that makes you know? sense. Yeah. All right. Well, that's. Those are all of our news stories this week. I hope you were entertained with our journey into modern and ancient <laughs> religion and theology. We're going to go dive into our topic of the week next. And this topic of the week is a bit controversial. Our question is, do politics have a place in video games? So the question arises from a story that came out this week regarding, you guessed it, China. China has been the subject of a lot of controversy recently, uh, given the coronavirus and their handling of the coronavirus, etc., etc. But... This isn't about the coronavirus. This is about their regime, uh, particularly you know how they are in authoritarian government. In case you've been living on the rock, so Nintendo's Animal Crossing it released you know not too long ago, about two weeks ago now, and a lot of people are playing it. A lot of people are playing it mostly because, you know, at least here in the West, because they've been confined to their apartments or their homes. Yeah. They have nothing else better to do. It offers normalcy. That's basically what it Sure. Is. Sure, sure. Especially if you're into talking to anthropomorphic beings. Yes. So, yes. So, this game uh, has been removed from some prominent retailers in China. For seemingly no reason. There was no official statement from the government. There was no official statement from the retailers themselves. Uh, one of these particular retailers is Taobao. And they, this retailer also sells in-game items and money. And all of those listings have disappeared. So that led a lot of people to question, hey, why is this happening? And the popular theory is that the Chinese government has found out that some uh, Chinese citizens, netizens, if you want to call them that, are organizing campaigns on Animal Crossing, uh, advocating for their particular movements. One that uh, one outlet evidences is a, a a user who is still fighting for in Hong Kong independence. He basically made his island, and he said "Free Hong Kong," and he made a little poster in front of his house that said free hong kong revolution of our times they some this according to the story story have said that they have even hold held funerals for xi Jinping, who's the prime minister of i don't know if they're prime minister let's just call him leader of the chinese communist party some have shown uh funerals or mock funerals for the leader of hong kong so what do you guys make of this situation? Was China in the right to take down 
these well i think we universally agree that they're kind of in the wrong right they're censoring yeah, they're wrong <laughs> i should probably not question <laughs> that but what i should say is do politics belong in ga- in games like animal crossing that seem so innocent that are kind of made for innocent purposes you know you're you you the whole purpose is to make a little house, to make your own little ecosystem, and then you invite, invite your friends over, right? And you can have a little fun time with it. But people are taking it to the next level, and they're actually, you know, as I mentioned before, organizing political agendas through Animal Crossing and then sharing it through Twitter and other social media channels. I would assume that in China, they're doing it on Weibo and all the other Chinese-specific apps that they have there. So should players news games like Animal Crossing for their political motivations. Uh, Tim, start us off. What do you think, you know, players should do in this sense? Should they kind of, you know, limit themselves as to what they say on on the games of their choice? Or should they use the games however they like to use them? Games are really cool because you can... they're, They're a very interesting medium and you can... I mean, theoretically, you can do what you want with them and they can be a space for you to you know express yourself and do that sort of thing um and people should be able to and i guess it's going to vary from person to person on whether they want to or whether that matters to them um and i mean it's just it is frustrating that like i i don't i don't know how many people were doing it in Animal Crossing, but, you know, seemingly, you know, China sees that it's at least a little bit of a thing, and then they just shut it down, which, you know, makes you think, like, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have, because then, because, I mean, Animal Crossing is a really great game, and in these times it helps bring people together a little, so it makes you wonder if maybe, if they, if they shouldn't have, but... It's just a, it's a frustrating situation. I, I don't want to say that they shouldn't have, because you know they should be able to to express themselves. But I don't I don't know. It's like maybe there's a level of, of care that has to be had at the same time. But it's it's just it's it's just so frustrating that China does China does react this way. You know. I agree. Angry and Sean, what is your opinion? Um, of course, in an ideal world, they wouldn't have to protest in any way or shape or form. In a better world, China wouldn't have the power to do this, and people would be able to protest through Animal Crossing. I think using Animal Crossing to spread a political message to other people who like visit your island, great. You know, help because like. Hong Kong, uh, China, like, monitors a lot of social media. All social media, probably. Especially, as you can see, Twitter. And, you know, so they're looking for, like, you know, trading information about how to get in contact with each other and, and you know, what time to meet for, like, a movement or a protest or something like that. Uh, so you could use Animal Crossing to do that. You know, spread your friend code or whatever and tell people to come to your island and, you know, chat with them. But if you take a picture of a funeral picture of uh, Xi Jinping and then post it on fucking Twitter, 
Yeah, no shit China's going to shut it down, dummy. Why would you do that? If you wanted to do, like, Free Hong Kong Revolution now, just write that on Twitter. You don't have to do it. You've now shut down this this avenue of communication because you drew attention to it. Now, it's not guaranteed that China wouldn't have done it eventually anyway. China, if they see something has the ability of communication, especially one that they can't monitor, they're not going to allow that for very long. But it's like, guys, yes, you should be allowed to protest, and yes, you should be allowed to communicate freely, but you got to be smart about this. Yeah. Now, again, I don't live in China. I don't live in that situation, so I'm speaking purely as an outside party looking in, so I could be completely wrong about this. I often am about politics because I don't follow it if I can help it. But, wow, guys, you you fumbled the ball on this one by posting this. Um, and, yeah, you, you hear in the article, it's a bummer because, uh, you know, some players, like, you know, they're getting angry at the people who post this because, like, hey, people were using Animal Crossing as an escape. They were using it as a way to, like, live a normal life. Teachers were using it to conduct virtual lessons with their uh, students. And the servers are still up. If you have Animal Crossing in China, I believe you can still play it online because China doesn't can't control Nintendo's servers. But China can't control your internet, so I, I don't know how, how free you are to do it. But I think video games can be a great way, a great tool to uh, express political beliefs. And yes, to answer the, the broader question, politics do belong in uh, video games as they belong in all art forms. You know, the art forms are our means of expression and politics are one of the things that people like to express the hardest. So, uh, you just, you gotta be smart about it sometimes. Uh, when you're not in a situation like this, you can't be preachy about things. You gotta, you know, be have some subtlety, use some, like, uh, metaphorical stand-ins and stuff like that. Don't tell people how to feel. Just show people how you feel type of deal. But in this particular situation, like, they fucked up. This they, they they fumbled the ball. But at the same time, it's doubtful that China didn't know Animal Crossing existed and that it could be used to communicate online. So they might have done this anyway. I agree with you, Sean. I think that if you live in a totalitarian government and you don't want said totalitarian government to you know interfere with your online usage, then wouldn't you? be wise enough to not be that vocal of your political beliefs and stuff like that in set, you know, in, in that environment, it just makes yeah. sense. I know, yeah. Right? I, and, and I get it. Like, I, I, I get it. Like, you shouldn't live in fear, you know, of your government or anybody, really. You know, I, I think that's a wrong way to live. But it's not about fear. It's more like about liberty and maintaining your liberty. And if you want to maintain your liberty, do the smart thing and don't tell anybody that you're free, you know. You you just do your thing behind closed doors, do whatever you want, and no one has to know about it. You could do your protests, you could do your campaigns, just don't shout about it through the through, through the windows, you know, through the rooftops. Yeah. You just just do it. Well, it's more like uh, your, your protest should be vocal, but when you're using an avenue that other people use for, like, just having fun, and you know that the risk is that it gets shut down, don't be a dick like that, like... Yeah, I don't, it feels like a dick move. I felt like I feel like people could have been smarter about this. Putting up funeral pictures was like, guys, come on. 
Yeah. You were just asking yeah. for it. It's a step below, you know, winning the poop pictures. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> so not, not a smart move. I, I agree with you. And uh, in terms of the overarching question here, do politics have a place in video games? So I, this, I want to extend this to, like, not just China. You know, I, I, there are other countries out there that are a bit kind of totalitarian in their ways. Even, you know, to an extent, when you look at the United States, there are some cases or some scenarios where we feel like politics or rather certain leftist, not leftist, uh, progressive movements don't have no place in video games. So one example that I want to uh, bring up of that kind of came to my mind just now is the example of The Last of Us Part Two. They had one trailer that showed Ellie, who is a lesbian, at a party. And she, you know, is, is dancing with one of her friends. And one of, the, this, one of her friends winds up kissing her in the middle of her dance. Mm-hmm. What do you make of situations like those in, you know, progressive countries such as the United States? Do those types of, does that type of imagery and that type of promotional material belong um, in 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 our sphere of of uh, of media, is that something that should be in video games, or should we kind of relegate that more for something that you experience in game that isn't as consequential as you know a main story beat or what have you? Uh, I should note in the Last of Us, the game, it uh, Ellie's you know sexuality isn't really something that's that important. It's just kind of like okay, she's gay. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 and I thought that that was okay. I thought that was great. So I was a bit surprised. I won't say I, I disagree. I'm not a homophobe at all. But I was a bit surprised when they did what they did and they they kind of um, showed Ellie kissing that girl in that trailer because, uh, you know, it, it was very visceral. It was very uh, explicit. So, Sean, what do you think in that regard? Is, is that okay? Yeah, I, I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, if you could show a man a woman kissing, you should be able to show a woman a woman kissing. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What what I would have issue with is the fact that Ellie has a girlfriend, and then all of a sudden, it I think it's implied that girlfriend gets killed, and that puts Ellie on at a revenge quest. And while yes, you can have these situations and other all of the mediums in which a, a heterosexual couple. And one of them gets killed and it puts the other on the revenge quest. Happens all the time. But the reason why it causes some stumbling when you have a gay couple is that uh, it's somewhat of a trope to have. If someone's going to die, it's going to be the uh, the gay the LGBT person who has now found love. They're going to die. For example, um, Buffy. Uh, uh, a gay character was killed off. Boom. And it was done to help further the story and people were pissed off they're still pissed off about it i didn't care at the time because i was a teenager and i didn't know what was going on but i think it's perfectly fine to show ellie kissing a gr- if you could say that ellie ellie is uh, a lesbian you can show her kissing another woman that's fine by me uh but if you have uh, again like i said you can't be preachy about your message and i don't think L.A. kiss woman is any sort of message. I just I think it's just saying Ellie is has a girlfriend, and here is proof that they're in a relationship. You know, it 
show don't tell type of deal. Like you can't just be like it's a oh. narrative choice. It's not like a political statement. Yeah. It's a narrative choice. That's yeah. what you're saying. Exactly. It's like gotcha. it's just like hey, Ellie's gay. Beginning, gotcha. middle, end. That's gotcha. it. And yeah, she mm-hmm. might encounter someone who she wants to be in a relationship who happens to also be a woman, and that's fine. Um, but it's there are moments, and I can't think of the top of my head of what they are, but there, I, I've definitely had moments where I'm watching or playing something, and there's a very clear political message, and I'm fine with that, but it's when it gets preachy, and it gets very heavy-handed. I'm like, oh, God, come on, Pete, come just try a little harder. And and it, it, it rigs up people saying, like, I wasn't interested in telling a good story. I just wanted to use this particular medium platform to mm. spread this You're starting a movement or yeah, yeah 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 and if you want to use like you know art or music or movies or anything like, as a media as a means to spread a message great you can do that but don't pretend like it's anything other than that then you know don't don't pretend like it's like anything other than that just if you want to say it's a, it's a message good but you know there, there's politics in like everything like you, you can't extract it as much you try you know, exclusions would be something very simple like uh, Tetris. Can't have politics in that. It's just a bunch of moving blocks. Well, so. actually, <laughs> the blocks are no. Sorry, sorry. You go on. To 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 play devil's advocate here, I mean, they could have just as easily with Naughty Dog in the Last Whisper two. They could have just as easily said, you know. This is her friend. They couldn't have, you know, showed her in a romantic relationship. They could have just said that she's on an adventure, a lot of action, lots of clickers and all this nonsense, you know, things blowing up. This is the game, right? And they could have sold the game that way. But they chose to go a much more admittedly politically oriented direction. And I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. There's a narrative decision behind that. But they could have done it in such a way that this narrative... They could have shown a bit of the narrative without showing her being a lesbian, essentially. Yeah, they could have. You, you can make that argument for any couple. LGBT or straight. Mm-hmm. You could do that mm-hmm. for anybody. But it's the Sailor Moon problem. Where Sailor Moon in Japan... I can't remember what the Sailor, Sailor Scouts names. But there are two characters who were lesbians. And then it comes over to the West, and when they do the dubs, they have to change it to their cousins. And that changes the dynamic drastically. It changes the And when they said they were just cousins, like there were some moments where like, what? Why? Why are cousins behaving like that with each other? Why would they say that? They're they're really really touching each other a lot. They're very hands on. Uh, so it changes things around. You know. I, I know it sounds like, you know, oh, well, if they're just friends versus if they're girlfriends, you know, it's the same level of com- compassion, but it's it's not. There, there's, a dif- there's a difference. A girlfriend dying is going to motivate you more than a friend dying. Well, a girlfriend that you're... It's clearly Ellie's, like, might be in love with her. She might be, like, a, a first love or something like that. I don't know the story of Last of Us, but uh, clearly the woman is important to Ellie. More than just, like, you're just a hot piece of ass. I like to tap every on uh, Saturday, you know, it's, it's more than that. So, I mean, so yeah, they could have just made her a friend, but 
at the same time, they could have just made them gay and in a relationship. And there's no real... I mean, yeah, there's a difference, but it's not like you need to take more steps or something like that. I'm not sure how to put it. Like, they could have easily done either one, but they they chose a uh, romantic relationship for one reason or another. Um, I don't know what their motivations were. It could have been very politically motivated. Like, we need to have Ellie be gay and in a relationship. She has to be. There, because there's not enough gay characters, so Ellie has to be that one. I don't know if it was that, or someone was just like, yeah, I wrote the character, and I decided to make her lesbian. Boom. That's it. Like, for me personally, like, when I write characters in my stories, like, I hit a random number generator to generate, like, what's their ethnicity and uh, their sexuality, and sometimes their sex and gender, but usually in that regard, I like I have it in mind, like, this person's male, this person's female, this person's, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I try to make it randomized so I never feel like I'm being political in my choices. And that might not be the right thing to do. No one said boo to me before about it, so until someone does, I'm just going to assume that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to leave you guys off with one last question. This last question uh, has to do kind of a little bit with PR in my realm, but I'm going to make it uh, apply to our conversation today. So general principle regarding PR is to appeal to the least common denominator. So that means not taking sides, you know, left or right. It is appealing to everyone. You know, uh, don't get politics involved. Try to make the message as clear as possible and try not to convolute it. Try not to put in too many moving parts so that anybody could really understand uh, what you're trying to say, regardless of their political agenda or, or um, party affiliations, right? Do you think this applies to video games, this logic? Do you think applying to uh, or appealing to the least common denominator really works in the realm of video games? Because video games are so traditionally uh, you know, oriented towards young a young demographic – uh, and young demographics typically to be are most likely to be, uh, you know, progressive. Do you think the the principle of applying to, appealing to the least common denominator works in this particular industry, Tim? I feel like I feel like I could to some extent. I mean, it isn't also just like. I mean, I feel like there's like a pretty wide range of people who play games nowadays. So it's not necessarily just like mm -hmm. the youngins, you know. Um, Majority are the youngins, though. Right, sure. Yeah, everyone does. Um, I I feel like to some extent that the yes, I think I think it probably it probably would, though. Like even like among different like genres there's like I feel like it, it's it can be better to like cater to certain groups of people because like you know like there's some games that are going to appeal to like their fan base but not necessarily like people in general so I feel like there's times where 
kind of knowing your audience and making that target rather than making it sort of general is better. That makes sense. Right. Like if you're making a puzzle game, right, you're going to try to appeal to everyone because a puzzle game doesn't really have a narrative. It's just exists you know <laughs> like it's just it's just kind of like a very blank slate it it you you get what it is right i i think i was where i was coming from with the question it's kind of like in, in regards to you know action adventure games uh shooters and things like that that obviously there's a much more you know uh apparent human component in there right you're you're controlling human beings or rather uh you know, uh, figments of, of human beings. So I guess there's a much more personal connection there. Uh, I guess that that's where I'm coming from, but, but I get what you're saying. It, Sean, what about you? What say you do, uh, does appealing to the least common denominator work in most regards or, uh, or rather, you know, do video games, should video games start appealing to the least common denominator more in the future or, keep doing what they're doing and kind of leaning more left than right uh from a business standpoint yes the business you know you want to make most money so you want to get the most people to buy your product please come on boom you're done uh from an artistic standpoint i don't think anyone who considers themselves an artist wants to go with the flow i think artists tend to want to disrupt things they kind of want to shake things up and i think um if you're asking should developers try to limit their political messages in order to avoid offending as many people as possible i would say no because i don't think those artists would i don't think those artists want to live in a world in which the counter of their beliefs is the norm. I think they sometimes they want to offend. They want to get people shaken up. They want to get some people angry. They want to get some people talking. And in respect to sexuality in games, uh, I think it's there's a mentality of like if we put more LGBT characters in our games and put them up front, not just like it's the gay best friend or anything like that or the possibly gay nerdy girl anything like that put them up front put them clearly as gay and thus make that the norm and so it will never ever be a question again of well why do they make her gay it would just be like oh ellie's gay Boo-ba-doo. you know that they, they, they want to shift the the perception of things and uh, change some opinions and the problem is that Sometimes when they're in an effort to change opinions, they get, tend to get kind of preachy and they talk down to you and it ends up just upsetting the counter base. So rather than educating and informing and be like, hey, I just want to lay out the bullet points of why I believe the way I do and let you make a decision, they're browbeating them and saying, believe this, believe this. If you don't, I'm going to cancel you type of crap. And so the counter people are going to be like, no, they're going to, they're going to, tense up and become more defensive and and retreat back into their ideal because like well, i'm not gonna get involved with that i don't like being called an idiot so i think but even though from a business standpoint it's best to appeal to the least common denominator and it's best to appeal to as many people as possible 
I think even so, businesses are saying that more progressive views are becoming the norm, and so they want to swim with that current while they can. So no one can say they jumped on the bandwagon, even though they did. It, it, it's like how um, I see these ads recently for all these different companies talking about how they're thanking their workers for working during the virus or talking about what they're doing to help people during the virus. And I'm just like, gross. Don't try to capitalize on this. Don't advertise based on this. Don't. That's a, that's a dick move. That just feels gross. You know, it's so funny. I don't even I don't even pay attention to them anymore. It, it's, like I, I can't I can't even think of the last one that I saw. I see. That just there. because I I completely ignore them now. I know you Walmart. Know? Does they're just e- they're just everywhere, and I'm like I don't care. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't think you're a good company now because you know you're employing people through this disaster. You know, I I I don't care. Yeah. You know, everyone's doing this now. It's just oversaturated with and it. Yeah, so, it, it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not exactly making me think, I thought AT&T was great before, and now I think they're shit. I've always thought they were shit. It's that it's just like, oh, why Why did you get more shit on the pile? It's already a huge pile. It's Jeff Goldblum walking in, walking in Jurassic Park and saying, that's a huge pile of shit. And you've just added more to the topic. Like, yeah. But to get more back on topic, uh, yeah, I understand the need... The desire to appeal to as many people as possible, but at the same time, I think uh, artists, at least any video game designer who considers themselves to be an artist, and they probably all should, they, they work in an art form, uh, I don't think they want to appeal to the least common denominator. And that's not to say if all of a sudden progressive views become the norm, you're going to, those same people will be like, you know what? I think marriage should be between a man and a woman only. That's what I think. You know, it, it's not always going to be switch, switch, uh, shift like that. But it, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't think they want the norm to be questioning why someone is the way they are. I think they just want people to be like, oh, okay, and move on with their lives, mm-hmm. type of deal. But again, I'm not a video game designer so I can't speak for them I'm a writer but nothing I write is politically motivated like I'm not trying like I've never like made a character I really want to have more blank characters I'm going to make one just like that I've never done anything like that because you know it's just in fact as often as I can I try to like limit how much I describe someone's skin tone or something like that in a book or a story you know just leave it up to the the mind of the reader type of deal, especially for like the main character but you know sometimes you have to but in any case it I, I don't remember what the original question is but yes it's okay I think stuff. you I think you answered it yeah. <laughs> I think it's all good yeah so so the gist of it is and I think the consensus is that video games uh, in, in the industry of video games uh, artists should be free to pursue whatever it is they sh- they want to pursue and put out whatever messages they want to pursue within reason right uh, and, and the you know society is progressing toward a, a more uh, accepting and more uh, forward view in when it comes to virtually every uh, you know aspect of society be it gay rights or uh, 
what have you. So yes, I, I think I think you know we're all in agreement here that that's that's a unique thing about the industry and that's what's so great about it, right? Um, and that you know in, in these cases, it, I, I at least from what I get from you guys, there is politics do belong in 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 the sense that you know they they somehow fit an artistic vision and they you know again within reason you know it's not guys you know touching up little girls and stuff like that but it's more of things like gay rights and and trans rights and things like that that are reasonably you know that i think anybody can get behind right so yeah. those things in those cases yes you know there there's there's some good degree uh we should accept games uh you know, that have that type of political messaging in them. You know, getting back to the original news story about Animal Crossing, you know, all three of us agree that it's not necessarily the right thing, you know, for China to shut down, uh, you know, users who have posted onto Animal Crossing, posted, you know, political messages on, on Animal Crossing, and that, you know, the users were are in bit in, in fault for, um, for doing that in the first place, but, you know, uh, you should kind of put on your thinking cap in those instances and say, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I should kind of restrict what I say, especially since I live in an authoritarian government. Um, and, you know, uh, not that, you know, to be totally silent about your opinions, but just just try to keep things in reason because, you know, who knows what Chodney could do to you. Yeah. Be smart right? about it. You know, don't just be like, smart hey. about it. Here's a blank canvas. I'll start painting on it. Like, no, just be smart about it. And they they shouldn't have to be in a situation where they have to be smart about things. They should be able to use any avenue they want to protest. But that's the situation they're in. Yeah, and I think you know, even in China, things will change eventually. You know, it may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen a year from now. But I, or at least I hope things will change so that anybody can play Animal Crossing and say whatever they want on Animal Crossing, wherever they are in China and wherever they are around the world. Right? Mm -hmm. With that note, that about wraps up our episode of the Keen Gamer Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. My name, again, is Dave Lozada. You can find me on Twitter at Xenocreator125. You can find me on Instagram at Xenocreator125. You can find me on my website, davidjosephlozada.com. Sean Rabine is here. You can find him on Twitter at Gingerbread. That's D-J-I-N-N-G-E-R underscore bread. You can also find him on King Gamer writing articles daily. And you can also find Tim writing articles on King Gamer daily. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you next week.